Miami Uni Comics that make the grade. There's only one place in stock trades. In stock trades. <laughs> Showcase special. Yay! This is, uh, folks, this is the official podcast of AquamanShrine.net and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your hosts, the Airy Mobile Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my co host, the Zany Rob Kelly from Aquaman Shrine. How you doing, buddy? I am Zany, much like my namesake, Mr. Haney. Did it right. <laughs> Remember, folks, uh, as you live tweet this episode, and you better all do it, use the hashtag ZanyHaney. As we did with our last uh, Bob Haney showcase, I am so excited about this, man! It, pure joy, these books. Pure joy. And this, this, the return of this Bob Haney showcase was demanded by the fans. It absolutely was. In fact, if, if somehow you missed the first one, it's sort of like missing uh, Star Wars: A New Hope and watching Empire by itself. But whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just and, like that. Go back and check out episode ninety. Ninety-three. Yes. Go back and check out episode ninety-three, the first Bob Haney showcase special, and uh, we had a great time with that. The gist of it is, folks, we love Bob Haney. His comics are insane, but in a good way. And we we felt like we were, we were going to do an episode on him, and we just decided one episode could not possibly contain all the zany Haneyness. And so we're going to do these periodic specials. In fact, I've already got the next one planned out in my head. I don't know about you. Wow, no. Oh, I'm ready for the next one already. (laughs) But before we go any further, we need to thank our sponsor. So, folks, uh, it is a special Zany Haney edition of uh, In Stock Trades plug. So, folks, the In Stock Trades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off, with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. Rob, what you got? Uh, I am picking Showcase Presents The Unknown Soldier, one of DC's longest-running books. Everybody remembers it. Uh, this collection features – it's 560 pages. Uh, features uh, The Unknown Soldier's uh, stories from Star Spangled War Stories number 151, which is his first appearance, all the way through to 190. The writers, of course, include uh, Bob Haney, but as well as uh, Joe Kubert, Frank Robbins, Robert Kaniger, David Michelini, and Archie Goodwin, and the artists are Joe Kubert. <laughs> Jack Starling, Jelly Tallock, Jerry Tallock, and others. 
Uh, it here lists the cover artist as Ken Barr, but that's not accurate because you can see the cover. It is clearly by Joe Kubert hmm. of the unknown soldier getting fired on by some ratsies. Um, <laughs> Joe, Joe Kubert and, and some of the other guys, these war comics really work well in black and white. Uh, this, this is, you know, unlike some other artists, like it's maybe like a J- Jack Kirby, like the New God stuff, I think suffers in black and white as opposed to color these war comics that dc did look just fine in black and white so pick this up the normal price is 16.99 in stock trade price is nine dollars and 85 cents that's 42 percent off so for 10 bucks you get almost 600 pages of unknown soldier stories which is super fun and said some of them are written by bob haney i wonder if they're zany i don't think they are like maybe he like pulls off his bandages and uses them as a whip or something or something ridiculous. I, maybe so. I, I don't know. I hope he doesn't talk in like '60s lingo because that would be inappropriate because these movies, these stories are set in the '40s. Right. But right. Uh, no, no, no. This is as as we'll discover in in the story that I picked for this episode. Bob wasn't always zany. Sometimes he was just awesome. But we'll we'll get to that in a minute. So I bet he was just awesome here in these unknown soldiers. He probably is. And you're right about black and white for those war comics. I own the Enemy Ace. Uh, uh, showcase, which I bought because of this show, this show, by the way, and I also own the War of the Time Forgot. Both are war comic stuff and are just beautiful in black and white. So good stuff. Yep. All right, so for me, I picked one of my personal favorites. Uh, it's Superman, Batman, Saga of the Super Sons. I knew you were going to pick. That. <laughs> I'm so transparent. I'm so I picked it before for another episode, but not for a Haney episode, folks. If you're not familiar with the Saga of the Super Sons, it, it, it was a series of backup stories about Superman Junior and Batman Junior. <laughs> Those were their names because that and, was a thing, right? And, and the adventures would be of Superman and Superman Junior, and Batman and Batman Junior would have adventures together, and the and the sons were always the ones who would save the day or be critical to the plot or whatever and there was always a running gag of like you didn't know who their mothers were uh but like super superman jr's um mother you would always see like her with a veil on or in the shadows and she always had the initials <laughs> ll you didn't know who whether it was lana lois whatever it, or laurie it was hilarious anyway uh they're written by shocker bob haney uh art by dick dylan murphy anderson Vic, uh, vince coletta Cover by Nick Carty, page count 256. Now, this is a color book here, folks. So 256 color pages normally goes for $19.99. You get it for 42% off. It's only $11.59. And, Rob, I seriously, when I was a kid, uh, well, kid, I was probably 19, I was actively seeking out these old world's finest issues solely for the Superman Jr., Batman Jr. backups. Mm-hmm. Even back then, I didn't even know who Bob Haney was back then. But I knew in my heart of hearts that I loved those stories because they were so ridiculous. And, uh, oh, man, just fun stuff, folks. Pick it up. So pick up the Unknown Soldier trade. Pick up the Saga of the Super Sons trade. InStockTrades.com, your best online source for uh, collected editions, hardcovers, all that stuff. Uh, InStockTrades.com. There we go. Woof. So, you ready, uh, Hepcat? <laughs> I'm ready, Daddy-o. <laughs> uh, we are covering, so... Uh, uh, for the first book we're going to cover is a Brave and the Bold book. Now, we covered some Brave and the Bold last time, and we said, you know, I think we were going to stop doing Haney Batman for a while. And good news is this is not Haney Batman. This is prior to Batman becoming the lead feature in Brave and the Bold. So this is Brave and the Bold number 63. We're going all the way back to cover dated December slash January 1965. Now, if you want a pristine copy of this, folks, you're going to have to jump in your Wayback Machine or your DeLorean, whichever you prefer. 
personally. I choose the TARDIS. Anyway, go back to October 21st, 1965 to pick a up a pristine... time of tumultuous change. I tell you, to pick up a pristine copy of this. And by the way, I should mention, I should give credit where credit's due, this issue for the Haney, uh, the Haney Zane, the Zany Haney Bob Haney Showcase, this Brave and the Bold number 63, was recommended by a nuclear sub, a listener of the show, our buddy Ange said, next time you do a showcase, you guys ought to check this out. So I took a look at it. I'm like, oh, i got to do this. So thank you, Ange, for this recommendation. So cover, across the top, in, in big bold, it says, uh, Brave and the Bold presents Supergirl and Wonder Woman for only 12 cents. And you've got... Isn't that amazing that Supergirl gets billing over Wonder Woman? You know, I didn't even think about that. Well... Um, you know, Ange could probably tell us how well she was selling back then because she was the lead feature in all. She didn't have her own title, but she was the lead feature in a lot of stuff. And at that point, Wonder Woman was like, you know, whether it's the, uh, the apocryphal or true story that Wonder Woman had to continue being published. You know, it may have just been they were publishing Wonder Woman for the sake of publishing back then. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So anyway, uh, the cover is Wonder Woman has been strapped down to this golden disc and she can't move uh, except she's somehow managed to perk her leg up in a sexy pose and she is glowing green meanwhile there's this rocket blasting nearby and supergirl's trying to hold this rocket back and in the little corner box down at the bottom there's this little purpley gloopy faced guy who goes multi-face talking i've turned wonder woman into a kryptonite booby trap she'll be the death of supergirl yet and then the shout out box in the bottom it says it's the living end Two super chicks on a new kick. Supergirl, a Paris model. Wonder Woman, the toast of the jet set. There are so many things wrong with this cover. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with this cover. Okay, I, there's so many things wrong with this co- cover. There's n- Everything's right. How's that? Yeah, that's perfect. I mean, Superman, is it Superwoman? Um, Superwoman. Wonder Woman in the submissive position with her legs sort of propped up, and she is the quote-unquote booby trap. You know, they're, they're labeled as super chicks on a new kick. Supergirl, a Paris model? I mean, oh my gosh, this is absolutely nuts. Um, okay, well, let's get into the story here. The story starts off um, after you get a fun splash page uh, of teasing the story, which it is entitled The Revolt of the Super Chicks. <laughs> it starts off with two lovers in a, in a dinghy in a boat. You think they're going to die, lost at sea. Turns out it's just a movie set, and they're being filmed, and Supergirl. Uh, swoops in to save these two folks who are who are been endangered by the overzealous director. So she swoops in, saves these stars, and everyone seems to be running around fawning over the starlet who is in danger because her makeup has run. Never mind the fact that Supergirl just saved her life. And Supergirl's kind of a, feeling a little snubbed that this uh, starlet's getting all the attention and she feels like that woman's all glamorous and adored because she's um, she's got feminine wiles and Supergirl's just a regular girl. So she's had it. She's fed up. That's enough. She's tired of being Supergirl. She wants to focus on being a normal, real human girl. So she tells Superman that she's, she's leaving. She's going to Europe. Her adopted, te- uh, step- her adopted parents have allowed her to go. And Superman's like, what are you talking about? You're a superhero. She's like, not anymore. Not anymore, daddy-o. And uh, so he's like, well, I'm going to – you can't go to Paris. So she's, she says, I'm, I'm out of here. And I, I'm splitting the scene. And she doesn't really use these phrases, but anyway. And so Superman's like, well, I've got to get some help. So he flies to Paradise Island and doesn't land. They make a point that all of Paradise Island will be destroyed if he lands there. And asks Wonder Woman to help because you've got to help me out. This crazy, wacky kid's going to Paris and doesn't want to be a superhero anymore. Wonder Woman's like uh, – she's like, you know, I'll help out. 
So Wonder Woman goes to help out. She flies. Wonder to Woman has nothing else to do. Right. Exactly. Because you know that's what she, she likes to. Well, I mean, it sort of makes sense if there's a teenage girl in trouble. Wonder Woman being, you know, a strong fem- uh, female role model. Maybe she sees it as her obligation to help out a struggling young girl hero, could be. So she flies to Paris and goes to this place where she finds Supergirl all dolled up in a very sexy dress. And by the way, she really is pretty hot. And she is being fawned over by all of these guys. <laughs> I mean, they're, she's just like, sorry, boys. I, got, I don't have time for you boys. I've got something to do, which is go make out in the other room with another guy. So she goes out in the other room, uh, in the dressing room, and is making out with uh, her, her, her boy toy there. Wonder Woman walks in. She's like, well, you, i got to mention that he's a French guy, and he wears a beret, of course. Yes, of course he does. <laughs> and so Wonder Woman comes in, and she's like, looks like I've arrived just in time. And then she – this is, it gets so weird. And understand, I'm not making any of this stuff up, okay? So basically she's saying – Wonderman, have you? I've never been happier. Haven't you ever wanted what other girls have? And she pulls out a dress to show Wonder Woman. She goes, uh, she design. He designed the guy she's kissing has been designing exclusive dresses. And Wonder Woman's like, it's fabulous. I think I'll just try it on for for fun, of course. But we still have lots to discuss. So she tries on this dress, and she again, she looks really hot. And this guy comes in, right? And he basically says. Um, recognizes her as Wonder Woman. He goes, how do you know? Never mind the fact she's wearing the tiara still. He grabs her and starts kissing her. And I'm going to read her dialogue. Wonder Woman, you know, the power princess, who's as strong as Superman pretty much, gets snabbed by this French dude. She just completely submits. He goes, whoa, my friend, hold up there. I mean, hmm. They start kissing. And she's got little, what is it, little circle of bubbles flying around her head. She's so, like, all spacey. She's like, what, what's happening to me? Steve Trevor never kissed me like that. I mustn't let this happen. This wonderful, delicious thing. Must fight it. I'm Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Wonder. Oh. She literally, you know, sort of melts to this dude. And I'm thinking brainwashing, right? No. No. Not at all. None of that. <laughs> He's just a really good kisser. Apparently, I wish he'd kiss me. I, I would love to be all dreamy like that. And then you go to the next page, and they're off now. They've changed clothes, and they're walking around Paris. She still has her tiara on. Right, but the key here is it says, friends, need we show you more? It makes me go, oh, my God, did they just do the horizontal bop? Oh, my God. I think that's what they're indicating. So Wonder Woman's out with this dude. Uh, Supergirl's out with uh, her guy, the, with the French beret. And, and front then in the, front of the Eiffel Tower, of course. Yep. And, and both guys individually say, let us go. We shall take you to, or I shall take you to this secluded island where it'd be just you and I. We're going to the island of love. Meanwhile, we go to the island of love and we find out that secretly there's a bad guy on the island and his name is Multiface. And he is setting up uh, something called Operation Armageddon. So then we go to part two of Revolt of the Super Chicks. Now, this is where really the bulk of the story gets happening. The, the previous part, I think, was just all set up. Haney needed to get out of his way so he could write the most ridiculous superheroine romance comic of all time. As I'm pretty sure is what this all went to. So Supergirl and her boyfriend, Henry, and go to the island. And Wonder Woman and her boyfriend, Andre, go to the island. They go separately. They don't, they don't know that each of them are on the island. And this guy, Multiface, who has the ability to change his appearance... So he, in, the, in one shot, appears as what appears to be a green chimpanzee, um, disgusting clay face sort of face, and then a creepy clown. 
Um, those are the faces he chose. And it, it, it almost seems like every panel he chooses a different face, too. To no real purpose other than to just do it. Uh, and by the way, this guy did show up again later in uh, a Superman Adventures comic book. Which is, the, you know, the, from, the, from the cartoon series, Superman Adventures. He showed up in that. Isn't that crazy? Wow, so, I didn't know that. Okay. Somebody was having some fun. So apparently Operation Armageddon, what it involves is he has built this capturing ray... And he is going to capture his rocket. It's the, 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 apparently somebody's designed these rocket freighters, which basically ship goods back and forth from country to country. And they're new, they're sort of testing them out, and he's going to use his ray to intercept this rocket freighter and bring it to him. So anyway, on the island, uh, you see bikini-clad Supergirl and her boyfriend, uh, Henry, on the beach, and this guy spies them through a telescope, a guy who works for Multiface, and because any attractive blonde in a bikini, you're going to know she's Supergirl. Uh, he immediately recognizes her as Supergirl, which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. And so, and the other guy recognizes Wonder Woman on the other side of the island, so Multiface realizes they have a problem. Supergirl and Wonder Woman are here. He needs to keep them distracted, so he decides he can't scare them, so he's going to have to jeopardize the lives of their male escorts to get them to leave the island, because that's his plan. So, meanwhile, uh, Wonder Woman and her boy, Andre are walking along, and a drawbridge starts to fall, and it's going to crush Andre. And Wonder Woman realizes she has to stop the drawbridge, and she's scared to stop it because, and I quote, Merciful Minerva, if I stop that drawbridge from crushing us, Andre will lose that wonderful notion of me being weak and feminine. (laughs) So what she does is, while Andre is blinking because she can move super fast. She zips up there and stops the drawbridge from hitting him and zips right back, and it all happens in the, in the blink of a kiss. Um, so, so she doesn't reveal that she's not feminine and weak. Meanwhile, on the beach, Wonder Girl, still clad in the bikini, is throwing the ball back and forth with her boy, Andre, uh, Henry, sorry, and he's about to be the victim of a rock slide. Again, all these, are, all these dangers are set up by multiphase. And she realizes, oh no, and I quote, those falling boulders, they'll crush Henry. But if I stop them with my superpowers, he'll no longer seem, I'll no longer seem feminine to him. Oh my gosh. People are writing papers about this comic in college right now in their you know, class about feminist literature. Anyway, so she, what she does is she throws the ball into the ocean. And he's like, oh, girls don't know how to throw. I'll go get it to distract him so she can go stop all the boulders. Uh, so she saves his life. I'm going to pick up the pace a little bit because there's a whole lot of this. Anyway, so Multiface decides he needs to keep the girls busy so they won't notice the rocket heist. He sets a boat on fire. Wonder Woman tricks her man to reenact the whole Cyrano de Bergerac scenes so that he can't see her. So she goes out and saves the boat and comes back. He never realizes she's gone. Supergirl sees a prop plane that's about to crash. And so she pretends to lose her towel and asks him to go get it so she can fly away and stop the prop plane. Again, all in the spirit of not letting the boys uh, lose their illusion of them being feminine and weak. Uh, and, and the thing is, there's not even like a secret identity. It's not even like he thinks she's Linda Danvers. No, he knows she's Supergirl. But he thinks she's just weak and dainty, I guess. Um, losing my place here. Let's see. So, well, after Supergirl saves the prop plane, she notices the bad guy's lair. So this is where we really get into Act 3 here. She notices the bad guy's lair, and she figures out the rocket heist is going on because it's happening at that time. The mysterious ray has grabbed the rocket freighter. It's pulled it off course. Supergirl's struggling with the rocket, trying to pull it back. Meanwhile, she uses her X-ray vision to check on her man, Henry, who's trapped on a ledge, but he's safe. Wonder Woman comes to help. 
Andre, and the way she distracts Andre, she asks him to go down this hill and get her a flower. Again, doesn't want to appear strong. Wonder Woman then gets tackled by this giant disc, this golden disc that uh, Multiface is sent after her. It grabs her. She is strapped down in this disc, and it's rolling around. He it goes back to the base. He coats it in liquid green kryptonite to weaken Supergirl. It's the most complicated plan ever. Um, he coats Wonder Woman in Liquid K, sends it, the disc out to attack Supergirl, who's trying to stop the plane. Supergirl gets weak, so what she does is with her heat vision, she melts the gold inside the freighter and drips it onto Wonder Woman to cover the green K. Now think that through. She is dripping molten hot gold all over Wonder Woman's body, including in her eyes, nose, and throat, in order to cover the kryptonite. Okay, so uh, the disc crashes because it's so heavy. It slams into Multiface's lair, which frees Wonder Woman. She knocks out Multiface. Supergirl knocks out the goons. The girls realize they cannot escape their destiny as heroines, and therefore they have to break it off with their little French boy toys. And they fly back to the United States, and they don't really tell Superman what went down. And Superman thanks Wonder Woman for helping bring Supergirl uh, back to her senses. And we get a wink at the end. And that is the most uh, feminist, pro-feminist comic I've ever read in my life. <laughs> uh, I already I, I, I reading this, I, I really thought that this was all a giant put on by Bob Haney. That this was like purposely making fun of that view of feminism by embodying it, the ridiculousness of it. Because it's just so silly. In 1965, I don't know that they were that self-aware. Well, who's they? I mean, well, I mean, meaning like male comic book writers. I don't know if they were. I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, Haney was an adult by this point. This this one is just so silly that I, I, and the other thing too is that Superman seems like such a fop in this yes. story yes. that I feel like that Haney is making fun of him. He's even drone. Oh, you know, I didn't mention the artist. Um, isn't it uh, Bill Mooney, I think? No, it is John Rosenberger oh, uh, and Winslow Mortimer doing the ink. So it, the art is unusual for a DC comic. It doesn't really look like your typical DC comic. It almost has a kind of romancy. I was going to say, it, it, sort of it's a romance. It. This is a yeah. romance comic, straight up. But uh, anyway, when at one point where Superman confronts uh, Supergirl and her Linda Lee uh, identity, mm-hmm. she says, oh, you sound like a stuffed shirt, Superman. How do you know about women, how they feel, what they really need? You may be the great hero, but in the romance story, well, just ask Lois Lane. And <laughs> Superman has his arms out in a helpless pose, and he goes, why, uh, oh, I'm very fond of girls. I, uh, and that makes me think that Haney is it, – it's, it's sort of like um, – the theory of the – have you ever heard a theory of the, the anti-comic? Have you ever no. heard of that theory? Okay. The theory is – of the anti-comic is a, a comedian, uh, instead of pointing out the foibles of others, he embodies them in a character. And that's his version of pointing them out by embodying them as opposed to saying, hey, that guy over there is screwed up. He's going to play a character that has those flaws. And Steve Martin was like one of the guys that did that. Like Archie Bunker is that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the, the people that made All in the Family were not endorsing Archie Bunker's views, even though they were putting the words in his mouth. Right. And I have to think that this story is so silly and is so backwards in terms of its view of women and their, their you know, oh, oh we're just silly girls. I, I, I just can't. I don't know. Maybe I'm giving Haney too much credit. I don't know. 
but it it just feels like because this one is just so far over over the top. Well, I've read a fair amount of old Archie comics, and not Archie, but like Betty and Veronica comics, because my daughter loves any any female protagonist. My daughter thinks is the coolest ever. Without ever reading anything about them, she just decides that that's her favorite. Okay, uh, which I think I think is wonderful that she looks for female role models, like without me even trying to push it on her. I think that's awesome. So, but we we've bought a lot of Betty and Veronica comics over the years, especially old ones, and I've read the stories to her and. A lot of them are this redunculous okay. as far as this kind of sexist stuff that the girls go through. This one's pretty far. By the way, I, I was right to some extent. Jim Mooney did the cover. He did the uh, cover, right, right. And I think I said Bill Mooney, but either way. Um, so uh, now, now you may be right because in, in here there is an article. They do an article about right, um, some unsung piece, heroines, yeah. Yeah. and they talk about Susan B. Anthony. They talk about Elizabeth Blackwell, the fir- uh, Dr. Elizabeth Blackwell, the first female doctor of the United States. They talk about Matahari. I mean, they make a point of trying to show women uh, being successful. So, Or may- maybe they just think this comic was pro-women. Maybe they didn't see how ridiculous it was, because in the end, the girls realize they're heroes. Right. So I, I don't know. I would love to, because I... Being a guy, I'm not as sensitive to feminist issues as I could be. Um, you know, I don't own a T-shirt that says "This is what a feminist looks like," because that's a big thing. I see it all over Twitter right now. Simply because I'm not as aware enough of the issue. So I would love to hear, you know, Cindy Franklin's opinion of this comic, or you know, somebody else uh, that I'm. That's not <laughs> coming. The to only mind. women that we know. I think that's the, well, Amy Bias listens to the show sometimes. Ooh, so that's I'd, done. We get, we get a few female listeners. Um, I'd love to hear their opinions on this comic, whether it's lighthearted and fun, or is it just for an innocent time, or is it just a horrible train wreck that misled young girls for years? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it was a pilot. Maybe they're like, maybe DC said, you know what? May, you know, the romance comic market in the, what, 1965, I said, was probably still doing quite well. Yeah. And they oh, said yeah. maybe there's a market for superhero romance comics. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because one of the things I noticed by looking at old DC romance comics is mm-hmm. that the only ads for other DC titles that ran in the romance comics were yeah. for Wonder Woman or Supergirl. They didn't run ads for Batman in the romance comics. They ran ads for ba- – and I thought there would be ads for romance comics in this comic, but there mm. isn't. It's all other superhero titles, so they, they must have not figured there was going to be a whole lot of crossover for the for the romance titles for this book, even though this is not only featuring two females, you know, female heroes, it's it's a very sort of feminist bent. I guess what's so funny about it is this, that it's Wonder Woman and Supergirl just give up their identity so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> they just sort of bail on their superhero identities, and it's, again, it's, I keep going back to thinking that it, it is a put-on because Superman is such a pathetic here i mean Could be. and just the way he's drawn he looks kind of sad and sort of but he doesn't at all look powerful or interesting and that makes me think haney is, is is having a is taking the piss out of superman as they say in england so well, it's, uh it's either that or they really thought they were doing a pro-female comic and wanted to make superman look like a chump i guess to show girls as being the ones who made the smarter decisions or whatever so. yeah um you know, it's funny. This comic and the next one we're going to do have so many, like, gems for people who listen to our shows. Like, there's a lot of who's who gems in here as far as, like, in the house ads. There's a house ad in here for Ultra the Multi-Alien. Yeah. It's a good ad, too. Yep. There's another ad featuring the, um, I forget, the, the trio, the you know, the fox, the The, the fox and the crow. The fox and the crow. Well, no, no, no. The, oh, the you're Batman talking about the Batman villains. comic. I'm sorry, yeah. 
the, the Fox and Crow have an ad in here too. Yes. But the the Batman villains, the the Vulture, the 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 terrible trio. Yeah, there it is, terrible trio. So they they're in here. Um, the Calendar Man is in is in one of the ads. Uh, who else? Oh gosh, there's so much in here. Um, I'm, and retroactively, I'm mad. Multi face wasn't in. Who's who? Because I think he's fun. He's a he's just a silly, very silly villain. But I like I love the fact that he changes his face like every panel for no, no like, reason. Said, for no reason. I really like that. <laughs> it's so strange. I mean, what the heck? You've got you have false face and you had two face. So why not have multi face? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, folks, that is a Revolt of the Super Chicks. It just needed, you know, it's, I, I, I think it was a very fun romance comic by Haney. I think it needed more crazy lingo. Would, would have really put it over the top for me. But I, I enjoyed it. And thank you, Ange, for the recommendation. Yeah, it is fun. It is fun stuff. And the cover is great. The cover is just jam-packed with stuff. I mean, it's just, as you described, so many crazy things going on in it. So <laughs> it is good stuff. Uh, yeah, well, my pick, I decided to go purposely the other way and try and find something that was, like, not zany Haney. It was just, just, like, good storytelling because Bob Haney certainly knew how to do that. And it tied in perfectly, uh, the story I picked, because I picked uh, in a um, story featuring Johnny Thunder, the Western mm-hmm. hero. And we talked about Johnny Thunder, first of all, on Who's Who. Mm-hmm. And then we talked about him in the Whatever Happened To episode. And we were like, we both said, we want to read more Johnny Thunder stories. So when I was doing research for this episode, I was like, oh, Bob Haney wrote some Johnny Thunder stories. This is perfect. It, it pulls everything together. So this story is from All-Star Western number 99 from 1958. But that's not – I don't have that comic. And it was um, – where I, where I found it was from a Super DC Giant number S14, which was a – series that dc did in the early 70s and it's just reprints it's all just big giant like 80 page reprint collections and every issue was a different theme so this issue number s14 is top guns of the west and it features stories of johnny thunder nighthawk matt savage trail boss there you go character the wyoming kid and the trigger twins all of whom appeared in who's who uh, it features an amazing cover by joe kubert i mean joe kubert in like 1970 it's just like the tops but um this story uh, – Well, well be- before you get to that, could I just say something? Yeah. Rob, Rob told me the issue that we were covering, you know, the, the super DC giant Top Guns of the West. And he said we're, he's going to do the, 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 the Johnny Thunder story. So I get out the issue and I turn and the very first story in the comic is the Johnny Thunder story. And it is ridiculous. Yes. It's actually in the vein of that super Supergirl Wonder Woman story. It's all this crazy, ridiculous stuff where this young woman – Wants Johnny Thunder to take him to a take her to a dance, so she keeps putting her life in jeopardy, so she can corner him to get him to take her to this dance, and it's so ridiculous. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, these two dovetail perfectly. Right. And it wasn't until I realized there's two Johnny Thunder comics in this book right. that I realized I was reading the wrong one because there's no credits back then. Right. And that story was actually written by Robert Kaniger, who I think probably really did mean it uh, <laughs> from what I've heard of Robert Kaniger. So. Uh, no, this one is written by Haney's, and the, and the story is called Trap of the Sheriff's Hat, and it is only six pages, and you're going to be amazed how much great stuff Bob Haney could cram into just six pages. Well, um, give, give credit to Gil Kane, too. Gil Kane, too. Well, I mean, story-wise, I mean, Gil Kane. Uh, and it opens with a splash page, so it's, not, it's actually only five pages, this story, really, because <laughs> this is one giant image is the first page, and you just see this bad guy throwing a the sheriff's hat into the town square and there's a bullet hole through it and that's okay that's not good 
And the uh, guy that picks it up is John Tane, who is the schoolmaster of Mesa City, who we all know is secretly Johnny Thunder. So not only is it the sheriff's hat, it is his father's hat because his dad is the sheriff. And we, cut to, we have a flashback and we see that the, his father, who is, again, is the sheriff, goes out to take care of the Snake River Gang. He jumps in great name. He jumps on his horse and takes off. And he basically says, hey, if I read in any trouble, uh, Johnny Thunder will help me out because basically you're not capable of anything because you're just a school teacher. <laughs> <laughs> mocking his father, mocking, mocking his son for being a weakling. So then we – and then the, you know, everyone in the town is like, oh, yeah, this, the, you know, the son you – know, they, they sort of can't believe that the rough-and-tumble father gave birth you – know, is the father of this, this sort of weakling – Milk toast teacher guy. If, if only they knew. So then the hat comes back. Of course, it's got the boat hole in it. John Tane decides, well, I'm going to go and try and help my father out and see what happens to him because he's been kidnapped by the Snake River Gang. He jumps on a horse, and everyone in town is making fun of him because he doesn't even know how to ride a horse. He looks very, very uncomfortable. At one point, he tries to. He jumps off his the horse he's riding, and he jumps onto another horse who is bucking wildly in the town square. He falls onto the ground and is knocked unconscious. But he stopped the horse. He did stop the horse. So they put him in. They put they put him off in the uh, like the doctor's office, and they're like, "Well, he's unconscious. He's not much of a you know, not much of a hero. He's been knocked out." And so the rest of the town says, "Well, we're going to go help out the sheriff." Little do they know that, of course, this is all a ruse that John Tane needed to be left alone so he could go into his secret thunder cave, which is a name I made up. And he's, he, uh, he is such a Clark Kent. Yeah. He puts that crap in his hair, which makes it turns it from blonde to uh, blonde to brunette. No, they don't say that. No, they don't say that. I watched he, for it. They yeah, don't no, talk they don't, about they don't the, say it. the powder. The powder, yeah. He jumps on his horse and he heads out into town. He gets almost killed by a falling by a boulder, but that is rolled rolled at him by the Snake River Gang. He then runs into almost an ambush. He gets shot. And a bullet grazes his head, which is great, which makes him temporarily lose his eyesight. So all he can see is sort of these like little hazy things of people coming at him and stuff. He really doesn't know how to – he really can't – he's only sort of shooting in the general direction of where the bad guys are because he can't see, which is like sort of amazing. The horse – his horse, Black Lightning – uh, rides him into where the canyon where the Snake River Gang uh, is is holding his father, and uh, of course he can't reveal that it's his father because it's Johnny Thunder. And the father says, uh, "Tackle the rattler, Johnny. Never mind me." Said, Neither one of them knows I can hardly see. So he waits until the bad guy fires a gun. He aims himself at where the flash of the muzzle was. He punches the guy out. Hands his hat back to the sheriff. He says, I'm giving you back your uh, your hat, Sheriff. The posse's right behind me. Adios. In all that time, he manages to shortcut back into the office where his father finds his son still laying unconscious. And he says, don't feel bad, son. After all, there's only one Johnny Thunder. He says, yes, Dad. That's the end of the story. Only six pages, this yeah. thing. is only six pages. It took me longer to describe it than it does to read it. Uh I love the crap out of the story. It's really good. It is really good. It is said it's six pages, but man, it is it 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 tells a complete story. Mm-hmm. It tells you everything you need to know, and it's only six friggin' pages. It's got nice twists and turns. I love the whole angle of Johnny Thunder not being able to see. So there's a couple of panels where Gil Kane, who does a tremendous job in the art here, I mean, yes, just he kills does. It. He's, he sold that. 
that the um, inability to see. He two, did that the, really the well. The two panels, the, the characters are drawn with just sketchy lines as opposed to outlines. They don't have outlines. So they're just mm-hmm. drawn with just little, little cross-hatching, which perfectly gets across the effect of somebody being sort of hazy in front of you but not fully. This, I, I, I am like becoming such a Johnny Thunder fan. <laughs> I mean, well, read the first story in this book, and you'll change your yeah, opinion. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, but it's just like this. This is very early in Bob Haney's career, and I'm guessing you know this was a time where I mean, you think about the fact that there's only six years difference between this story and the one that you read. Oh my gosh! There's only six years, <laughs> and it's you. You can't picture that that Wonder Woman Supergirl story would have been written in 1959. It never would have been published by DC Comics in 1959. So you got to assume that in the beginning, Haney was just playing the game. You know, he was just doing what was expected of him, which was writing very straight ahead stories. And this story is very straight ahead, but it's inventive. It's clever. It gets into character stuff, which, of course, would become his hallmark later on. I mean, it gets in all the stuff about the father sort of looking down on his son of, you know, you're being a weakling. You're just a school teacher. And, of course, we know the secret. I mean, you know, that's stuff right out of Clark, Clark Cannon, Superman. Yeah. But it's it's got some Haney-esque elements, but it's very straightforward. And... I have to think that he was just sort of, you know, paying the bills with these stories uh, in a good way. Uh, and then later on, when he had a chance to really let his freak flag fly, he did. Well, it but could be, too, that he was learning the craft at this that's point. That's it, right. He's learning right, so, learning how to do this stuff. So I don't think, I don't think he was phoning this in or anything. I no, think he was, I don't, he was right. learning, I don't he was learning how to tell a comic story. Yeah, no, right. And once he got that down, then he's like, then you, like you said, freak flag flying, yeah, yeah. <laughs> full mast. But I, I just love this story. I just thought it was just so much fun. And like I said, it's just, it, it, I, for only six pages, it has to move at a lightning pace. You know, I mean, it has to. But... It's just, it's just a ton of fun. It's just a ton of fun, and it's, it's neat to see Haney doing something straightforward. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't not that familiar with, with him, and uh, I don't. It's like he wasn't. I, I almost feel like this is more his up his alley because he just didn't care about continuity, continuity, as we've talked about mm-hmm. from the yeah. stories. And here he doesn't have to get into that too much. You have the basic setup of Johnny Thunder, who he is. The town, what the town thinks of him is his real identity, but you didn't have to worry about all the other, you know, craziness that he worried about later on with these stories. So it, it, I, it, it's great, and I, I love the fact that it's it's Haney in a completely different gear. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We, we've covered two Johnny Thunder stories on this on on our Fire and Water podcast, and the first one was by Bob Rosakis, and it was only eight pages, and we raved about how much story he crammed in eight pages. Yep. And it's astonishing to do. Now it's six, and it's yep. still amazing. Yep. Yeah. It's it is a lot of fun. Pick the, if you, anybody can ever. First of all, I don't know if this has ever been reprinted in any sort of showcase edition. I'm going to have to look that up. But um, you can find this Top Guns of the West comic for not a lot of money. I think I bought it on eBay for a couple of bucks simply because of the Joe Kubert cover. And it's like sixty or seventy pages of DC reprints. Totally worth it. But yeah, it's, it's just a blast. This is, it makes me want to read even more Johnny Thunder. I said, I'll read that one that you're talking about. Maybe you'll dissuade me of that. But, um, but, but this is, this is really super cool stuff. I got to tell you guys, you know, I'm like you guys at home, probably I'm making an assumption here. I'm mainly a superhero comic reader. I don't branch out that often. I like to think I do, but I don't. It's, I, I read what I know. And, for this show, I have read a, a variety of stuff, and I find that like these Western comics are so much fun. It's like the war comics are, too, uh, in a different kind of way. Usually the war comics have some sort of depressing ending, but um, they're really, really entertaining. 
Yeah. So yeah. don't don't sh- just because it's a western, don't shy away from it. DC did western comics really well. Yeah, they really did. I've heard it said before, probably here and even on like maybe Mike Bailey's show and stuff like DC did Western and war comics the way Marvel did like monster comics. I said that. Like that. Oh, it was you? Oh, that okay. was me. Thank you very okay. much. You quoted yeah. me. Yeah, 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 yeah. DC's for the most part, their their horror comics are pretty pallid stuff, and DC Marvel really sunk their teeth into it. No pun intended. And and but if you read a uh, to me, if you read like a Marvel Western comic, it is Snoozeville. Uh, but DC did him really well, as this proves. So, yeah, I don't mean, you know, Bob Haney, man, he can do anything. I think I'm going to read the Trail Boss comic next because I got I got yeah, to figure that's out how you yep. have a have a comic about a Trail Boss. <laughs> 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 well, folks, uh, it's, it's a it's a short one, but this is our Bob Haney showcase, second volume. Uh, next time, I'm I'm committing to doing a Super Sons of Superman and Batman for the yeah, next should, yeah I think next next time I'll pick something equally crazy just because we were, we I wanted to do something different this time but now we're gonna I'm gonna go full tilt on the crazy even though <laughs> getting on the, on the Haney Zany Haney crazy train there you go so all right folks we'll drop us your cards and letters keep those coming uh, let us know some of your favorite Bob Haney stories if you don't mind. Um, Tell us, you know, what you thought of these. Go out and pick them up. And uh, definitely get spread the word. Spread the love of Haney. Get the word. Let people know. Pick up a Metal Man if you've never read it. Read, read some Metamorpho if you're not familiar with, with his adventures. L- get out there and live and breathe the Haney Zany. The Zany Haney. So, <laughs> I got it backwards. Oh, well. All right, Rob. Um, folks, you can check out my good friend Rob over at the AquamanShrine.net. You can find him on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+. Plus I, have a, I have a plug to work in, if you don't mind, before we wrap up the show. Yeah, go ahead. I do want to mention that as of now, by the time everybody's hearing this, uh, Hey Kids Comics is available in Kindle on Kindle. Mm. Uh, we've been only a year late, uh, but uh, <laughs> but it is, it is available now for only two ninety nine, so you can get it on Amazon. And uh, anyone who has bought it, and a couple of you have already bought it, which I appreciate. You will notice on the opening page, um, it says the Hey Kids Comics has been published by F and W Books. Uh, you might wonder, F and W does that stand for Fire and Water? Yes, it does. Because <gasps> um, I've decided that uh, I'm going to rebrand all of my Hey Kids Comics efforts going forward. And I needed to come up with a, a, a book company name. And as I've mentioned here on the show before, I am very proud of the show. It is like my favorite thing that I do of all my creative efforts. And I thought it'd be fun to brand it because it's part of the, 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 the thing that kept me going for doing another volume of Hey Kids is, is – the, the people I've had to talk to on the show. So I decided to sort of honor the podcast by branching out and creating a fire and water book label. So we have a little logo and it just says F and W books on the title page. So the thanks to the fire and water podcast, the Hey Kids comics is now branded under the F and W books label. So if you're interested in the book and you want to read it in Kindle form, you can now get it. I, I thought it stood for Frank and wackiness, but, um, you know, Diablo Frank sort of nod, but oh well. Um, and here's the thought, folks. It, you can give it as a gift, too, because just about every e-reader out there has a Kindle app. Even if it's not a Kindle, like my Nook has a Kindle app. My iPhone has a Kindle app. And so you can read Kindle books. You can like buy it as a Kindle book, and you can read it on other stuff. So you could actually buy that book and give it as a gift. Thank someone. you very much. Great suggestion. Thank you. Especially if you have a friend on the other side of the country and you don't want to do shipping and this is right before Christmas, you don't have time. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. So, all right. So I mentioned you can find him AquamanShrine.net, Facebook, Twitter, and Google Plus all under the same handle. You can find me at FirestormFan.com, Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus, Instagram, and Tumblr all in the same handle. And um, 
Until next time, folks, fan the flame, ride the wave, and zany your haney. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. Stand for truth and justice and see on land and Friends forever. Yeah! Well, good morning, Mr. Douglas. Mr. Haney.